Let's go shopping for our spiritual clothes. Part 2 by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor As we read in the last blast, Revelation chapter 18 verse 4 warns us to leave Babylon or the world's religions that teach through man's intellect. The foundation of their knowledge was chosen by Eve and therefore came straight from the mind of the enemy. The false doctrines and lies it birthed resulted in producing a lukewarm or sometimes even dead relationship with God for both church leadership and their congregations. If that sounds wrong, just think of what has been accepted as okay in today's church. That is why we must wash ourselves in the water of separation and purification. The water of truth that has in it the ashes of the old bride, the old church symbolized by the red heifer of Numbers, chapter 19, verse 2. We must burn her out of our minds, out of our hearts, and get rid of the false teachings the enemy planted and watered with his blackened stream, and then wash clean the clothes we were wearing, soiled by associating with her. God did see to it, however, that the old church grasped enough truth and preserved the anointing on it to light the way to the eighth day for God's people. The enemy surely does not want this transition to happen, as that is where the end-time promises of total restoration are. It means the consummation of his defeat on earth. So, to enter the eighth day, Man is required to clean up their mind, heart, soul, and body. We, as His temple, must be spotless. We want God's knowledge to take root and metamorphose us into a new species, no longer like Adam's descendants. We surely want to be part of the prophecy of Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Revelation Chapter 7, verses 13 and verse 14. Then one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? They don't look or dress like the race of Adam. And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, the war over creation between God and and Satan, and wash their robes in the water of separation or purification, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These stand as evidence of God's plan of restoration in action, thus forcing Christ's victory of the cross to earth, jubilee or setting free mankind, returning him to the Father. So separation Repenting and changing are mandatory for white robes. Makes one wonder. If man does not separate from the world and all in it and grow in God's knowledge, will they be spared when the end comes? I speak here of ones who are born again that have had a chance to learn God's end-time message but refuse to change. I am referring to people who continue to hang on to the Seventh-day message 
and are comfortable in the old traditions and religious rituals. I know Matthew chapter 13 certainly implies if man does not separate from the wicked, change and make their robes white, they will be cast into the furnace along with the rest of the evil ones. Matthew chapter 13 verses 47 through 50 Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea of humanity and gathered some of every kind, wheat and tares, good and evil, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just. We don't want to be attached to the wicked, or we will share in their fate. And cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This truth is little taught. According to Revelation chapter 3 verses 4 through 5, There are some that will come out of the spiritually dead and naked church. However, if those that have already been set free will make the effort to blow the trumpets and warn them. As stated before, the new species must stand as evidence that God's restoration plan is there as promised in His rest for those that will enter in. Revelation Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. You have a few names, even in Sardis, the dead church, who have not defiled their garments, have walked according to the word, not what was being taught in the church. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. If these died tomorrow, they would be in paradise with the Lord, and given white robes. But pay close attention to the next scripture. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. The rest are to be blotted out. So we see, man can lose their salvation They better put on robes of salvation and righteousness and then quickly get dressed further in robes of purification and separation. How will the Lord's angels know who to gather in the end? The angels can clearly see these spiritual clothes as they are spirit beings. So can the demons and Satan, however. Those that will not hear and obey his voice to come out of her my people, referring to Babylon, will be found naked. Notice, he said, my people. Many of his people are still held captive by the world's churches, her different organizations and secret societies. God's truth is opening the prison gates at this very moment, but the prisoners must come out and begin to dress in kingdom garments, throwing away their old prison clothes. They will also need the prayer covering of the new species, 
until they find their own spiritual wardrobe. A side note, when a wife submits to the covering of her husband, she has protective clothing on that the enemy can't see. If she does not, she is vulnerable to their attack. It is the same with mankind's relationship with the leadership in the family of people God places them with. If God's people do not receive His leadership as their covering, God, the greater husband through them, will not be covering them, and they will be left nakedly exposed to the enemy's wiles. Should they leave God's family altogether, the enemy may actually leave them alone for a while, so they do not associate their personal problems with lack of covering. In fact, they may not have any specific problems whatsoever, or even feel warfare, the way they did as a part of the group that are ardent enemies of Satan. But, when he gets them where he wants them, when they least suspect, he will attack, and sadly, they will not be covered. They will be naked. In the first part of this series, we also learned about the new species of man and how they, too, must be fully clothed to bring about their immortality. So let us, with even more determination, continue our shopping. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, we see yet another spiritual garment that can only be purchased by the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Robes of humility can only clothe those that really believe it's Christ and each other that accomplishes all things. One person is no better than the other. In fact, to be humble is really quite easy. If man can just remember, all things of importance were accomplished by God before the earth was formed, and their part is simply to bring the works to this realm. Only God gets the glory. Besides, how can mankind be proud of what the Lord has done? Man's own works, those not done by God, are called worthless and dead. So what is the use of pushing to do them? Man receives honor for laying their lives and agendas down so God can use them. But God gets the glory for what He has already accomplished. Therefore, before honor, there must be humility. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33 The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, fear of taking credit for the things God actually did. And before honor is humility. We are instructed to honor those who labor among us, but honor will only come to the humble of heart. So, being humble means laying down control of life and bending to God 
and his people, as the scripture we read earlier in First Peter brought out. An example. There are people, for instance, that walk in so much pride and arrogance that they honestly believe they are better equipped spiritually to guide and instruct than the people God himself has chosen and set in office. These will never wear robes of humility. Their fate will be the same as Miriam, Korah, Absalom, and like kind. Sadly, we see this competition fighting for rank and power in the world's leaders, whether it be religion, banking, education, or whatever. Worse, many of them are deceived into believing they are still in right standing with God. The fact is, they have polluted terribly their robes of righteousness just by remaining a part of the world. Unfortunately, when a person thinks of humble people, they many times visualize a weak person. The fact is, a humble person is really one who has a bold confidence in a sovereign and faithful God and sees and trusts the Jesus in others. Ones that do not look at their own accomplishments as anything beyond God working through them. An example of a lack of humility, let's say one is called to pray as a covering over others as they are bringing forth God's works, but the individual would rather do something they consider more prominent or spectacular. Are they humbly submitting to the call on their life? Are they submitting to their place in the body? Are they obeying God's voice? No, to all the above and their already obtained robes of salvation and righteousness become soiled by their disobedience. This has a ripple effect as the people God entrusted to them to cover would also be left naked and open for the enemy's attack. This type of individual would never receive honor from those around them or experience blessings from God. No way would they receive a robe of humility. You see, when God or Satan look on a person that is cocky and proud, one that boasts of his or her ability, gifting or accomplishments, Satan sees a spiritually naked, easy target, and God sees a worthless vessel that in his kingdom and by his standards are both poor and naked. Ironically, a spirit of inferiority is usually the culprit behind pride. Why are we making so much of the robe of humility? You see, Canaan, the land God promised Abraham, is symbolic of the earth, being restored to his people. The promised land and Canaan means to be humilified. Do we want to be a part of the new earth? Of course we do. So the new species, Abraham's seed, must be humble ones. So I guess we better learn how to take care of our beautiful new clothes. We certainly do not want them soiled or torn. So let us examine more ways this can happen. Our robes can be damaged by hoarding money, 
while others have needs. Man may devote time and energy to God, but the actual money they make is considered theirs. If they do lend, they want it back, sometimes even with interest. Their garments become moth-eaten, the word says. Try to tell this to the rich, though. They think they are dressed quite handsomely as they flaunt their latest trendy fashion. Let us look at them through God's eyes, however. James chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. No robes of humility handed out here, either. The truth of the matter is, nothing really belongs to man beyond what God allows them to be stewards of, including money. In fact, we are instructed by the word to work to give to others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. The promise is our needs will be met if we meet others' needs, and we can then be heavily clothed with robes of humility. Let us read from Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. See how disobedience can cost man their spiritual clothes. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, trusted in tried leadership, armed with God's knowledge, steadfast in his law, to cover you from the enemy, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see with the eyes of your spirit man. Enough on the robe of humility, though. Let us move on in our search for more clothing. When there is joy and peace in our hearts, we love to praise God, and there is a beautiful article of clothing that is added to our attire called the garment of praise. Our praise not only blesses God, but as a bonus to us, wards off a supernatural enemy called the spirit of heaviness, or we could call it oppression and depression. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 speaks of this. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Side note, we also know sound produces color. So as man praises God, their garments of praise take on many hues. God's children, his bride, are not dull. They wear robes of many colors.
they are children of light. Psalm chapter 45 verses 13 and 14 reveals a prototype of the church glorious, the bride of Christ. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. She is as vibrant and beautiful as a butterfly. Not old hymnals, just spontaneous high Tahila praise and the prophetic song of God. This is the Father's specially dressed child, the Lord's true bride, his warrior queen. Speaking of God's warriors, there is, of course, armor that is provided to protect them. Ah, we have discovered more clothes. Ephesians chapter 6 gives us a detailed description of this armor and its use. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 through 17 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Look at the garb added to us here. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If man wore all the clothes mentioned earlier and put their armor on, it makes you wonder how they could ever be considered naked. Sadly, however, they can. How? The finest of warriors, especially the new species, that refuse to take orders from their leaders, are naked. Warriors that minister out from under covering are naked. Warriors, as we know, are meant to be a part of God's body, His army. Those that refuse to be a part of the whole, ones that want to be a one-man show, are not covered and are naked. Warriors that have been appointed by God to a certain position, but break rank, are naked. Those who try to be like someone else, do things that are not anointed or appointed to do, are naked. On and on. Remember, God sees us through spiritual eyes, as does the enemy. So to them, much of mankind is still quite naked. As mentioned earlier, spiritually naked people are wide open to direct contact and interaction from the dark side of the supernatural. Since Satan is an angel of light, the anointed cherub, man may not even realize they are being influenced from the wrong side. Remember, 
He is both good and evil. So the false anointing is very close to the real. Babylon very much operates in this false anointing. Even the elect could be fooled. But if the spirit of man walks with the Holy Spirit, he will begin to produce the fruit of being led by him. The gifting within will begin to flourish and a discernment will sharpen. Also, in his presence, their natures will begin to change, thus making it much easier to acquire their spiritual clothing. Okay, let us check our shopping list. We have so far found robes of salvation given to those who are born again. Robes of righteousness are given to those who are repentant when they fail and are therefore upright in their walk and pleasing to God. Then there are the white robes of dignity for those that separate from the world, its systems, and its citizens found in both in the natural and in the supernatural. There is also the special garment or covering as God through the husband prays to protect his family, as well as through the leadership placed as guardians over his sheep. Then there is the robe of humility. They are only worn by those that can give up control, submit to others, ones that fear God, respect and keep his commandments. There is also the secure armor for his warriors and the colorful garments of praise. Unfortunately, as God's people are discussing spiritual clothes and learning how to acquire them, Satan is busy doing the direct opposite. He wants God's angels to plainly see those who belong to him. He is determined to outmaneuver, outsmart God. He is looking for large numbers to outrival, get ahead of God. His people buy jeans with holes and runs in them. Shirts that are frayed in many cases are purposely made to look unclean at the factory. They call it vintage. I see it as the enemy laughing at man. Much of the world's clothing is morally indecent as well and really does bear evidence of who they belong to. Skull and bones, wings, etc., are indisputable evidence of the master they serve, and tattoos clearly mark the world's people. If they only knew how they look in the supernatural. In closing, in the next blast, as we continue looking for clothing suitable for the kingdom of God, we will also look at the physical walk of mankind down through the ages, to better see and understand our immense need for this very important, may I even say, crucial shopping spree. Without our spiritual clothes, you see, we cannot be immortal, and like Adam and Eve, we'll stand naked and ashamed in the end.